Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise. Happy Friday. You're in the huddle with the franchise players. Powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio, WTOB and WCOG, along with my partner, the mayor of Danville, Virginia, Ryan Stone. I'm J.P. Mundy. First, before I say anything else, remember coming up at 7 p.m. tonight, Game 1 of the State High School Softball Championships featuring East Forsyth against Perennial Power, D.H. Conley out of Greenville. You know anything about Conley, man? I've heard. Uh, I know that they're uh, they're a really good program. I know that uh, year in and year out, they're they're usually right there. Yeah, they've won like in 2011, 2015, 2019. Essentially, they must be like the Death Star because the second I mentioned anything about D.H. Conley online, Gary Payne, uh, who's at Pfeiffer, longtime softball guru in the area. You know, longtime coach at Glenn, coached Trinity, coached softball at Pfeiffer. He knows everything. Yep. And he was like, yeah, these guys, it's like he doesn't even have to play him and he's a little scared. <laughs> well, that's not fair. That's not the right word. That's not the right well, word because Gary's not scared of anything. But. Well, I mean, it, East Forsyth doesn't have any reason to be scared. They got the, the best pitch, one of the best pitchers in the country. So they've got that on their side. Yeah, Joe Serrera um, posted this week a wonderful piece, preview piece, uh, talking about how it's not just the Kirsten Deal show, and uh, especially the last uh, three games, the ch- the regional championship series and the game against Mooresville, it's just been an absolute team effort. Um, the defense has been rock solid and timely hitting. It's just been great. So that's coming up after we're done. But we got some business to take care of. And the first order of business, Ryan, is I'm a little concerned about your blood pressure. <laughs> because you are pretty unflappable when it comes to broadcasting. I've been your color guy for a few games now, and nothing much bothers you. You can multitask even, but you got discombobulated Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, at times, yeah. Can you explain to our wonderful listening audience what happened? Well, <clears throat> one of my biggest frustrations when I'm broadcasting or even watching sports is when things that shouldn't take very long get stretched out. Meaning the officials can't figure out what their job is and what they're supposed to do and don't know the rules and have to ask the other people what the rules are. I I get frustrated because it's it's nonsense. It slows the game down. It slows the players down. It slows the teams down. It, it's just – it's nonsense. I mean, I understand – at nobody's perfect. So, I mean, it's going to happen occasionally. But when it happens over and over again, like we've seen with, at the Cobras game so far, it just gets to a point where I can't stand. Yeah, this started bubbling up. Well, it started bubbling up game one. But – Well, we, had, we also – you can go back even further. We had a situation like this. I can't remember the game. But one of our high school games was very similar. Where we had an officiating crew that just had to huddle up about everything. Oh, what game was that? I can't remember what game that was. And it was but, completely inconsequential, too. Yeah, yeah, it was a like middle of the season game. I feel like. So, so couple of let's see, a couple of weekends ago, the Friday night game, it started to bubble up really good for the Cobras, and Ryan was not. Ryan wanted to talk to the officials basically after the game. <laughs> 
so last week I thought it would be better, and then we had a 20-minute sequence. <laughs> it seemed like it was. At, I will tell you guys, well, I'm not exaggerating. When it it was at least eight nine minutes, where they were trying to determine substitutions. I think for a kick or an extra point. Now in the NAL, they have a designated substitution official. That's his only job. Yep. He doesn't review rate replays. He is not doing anything else. He but he is sitting near the bench. And he is monitoring substitutions. He had no idea. Yeah. And and it, it wasn't just that sequence, but we also had the, the end of the first half. The last the, – the first half was moving along pretty good until we got to about the three-minute mark. And then those last three minutes took like 30 minutes to play because – they kept being stoppages, and the officials kept having to talk about things, and it just it got to a point where it was hard to ignore it. And I'm really not the guy that's going to pile on the officials, but when that's going on, it's hard to ignore it. And that's one of the things in, in arena football, as you might imagine, there's a bunch of passing, and there's a lot of offense. So there's a running clock even. So nothing in arena football should take eight or nine minutes, not even a scoring drive. Yeah, exactly. So, it was bad, and I think what's good for us, the radio crew, is that we get two weeks off while they go take care of business in Albany and then Columbus before coming home to meet Albany again. So, hopefully things have have cleaned up a little bit. Um, I'm going to go ahead and blame the officiating uh, for the loss. <laughs> um, that's not what Coach Rez is going to blame, blame it on. No, no. He uh he very much blamed uh, blamed the defense. Wow, but it was a sterling performance um, by their brand new quarterback, not new to Arena League. But uh, what was his name? What was that guy's name? Arvell Nelson. Arvell Nelson. Yeah, AFL uh, actually won a uh, an AFL championship. So yeah, guy that uh, was pretty good. Yeah, you you had to call his name a lot. I just said yeah, touchdown. Yeah, that, that guy, yeah, what an amazing night. Another thing that's happening this weekend is the NCAA baseball tournament. And I, when you take a look at the – I'm not a huge college baseball guy, but when you take a look at the bracket and see five North Carolina teams in there, and it should be six. Yep. When you see five teams in there, and they're pretty good teams – it's just amazing to me. We'll start with what I had last last on the list, but North Carolina State last year finds out on, at 2 o'clock in the morning via social media they're not going to be allowed to play because of COVID. Okay? Sure. They have a They have a team that can play, can contend, and possibly win, and they can't play. This year, they're completely left out on, uh, you know, during the selection process. What what say you about why about the decision to leave them out? Is it about the representation of the committee? I I think that's part of it. I think uh, Mike Martin, the head coach at Florida State, made a really good point. Um, but I, I mean, it, it goes back. It also goes back. It's the same thing that happened to Texas A and M with the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like they won they won twenty five games, twenty three games, and made it to their conference their conference championship game. Like, that should be a no-brainer to get in the in the NCAA tournament. And it's kind of the same thing with NC State. I forgot their exact win number. I think it might have been 38, 39, yeah. something like that. Uh, and they're playing in the ACC championship game on Sunday, the day before the selection committee makes their selection. So it just it makes no sense whatsoever to me how they could possibly get left out. The only reason – that they they talked about, and I think this was ironically former Mike Mike Buddy, former AD or associate AD at Wake Forest, Mike Buddy, who's now at the athletic director at Army, cited the fact that the Wolfpack had not won any of its ACC series. Or I mean, yeah, and that's a, that's that's I mean that's a compelling argument to make, but. They also just made it to the ACC <laughs> ACC championship game at the same time. So, and they were one of the hottest teams in the country 
to start the year. Uh, it's been a rough few days for NC State, by the way, because they just found out today that uh, Tommy Tanks, their phenom freshman, uh, is going to be transferring. So it's, it's been a rough rough few days for NC State baseball. Yeah, it, it, this is this has not been its best week. I am gonna, I'm going to be very, I'm gonna watch that Tommy situation uh, very closely because they're saying it's not an NIL thing, you know. But I think what it, he's transferring to Florida State is what I understand, which makes things all the more interesting. He is from Florida, and that was I what understand. I read that it, that it was citing that he wanted to get closer to home. So I mean, that was. That was kind of the original reason that people used to transfer was because somebody had a family member that was ill or they just wanted to get closer to, to home. So How dare he? Anyway. I, how awful. I, if he is transferred to Florida State, welcome. <laughs> yeah, speaking of favorite teams, so ten, Tennessee wins this SEC baseball tournament. Now, I, I, I am a Tennessee fan. I went to Tennessee for a little bit. Uh and they are hosting a regional. They're the best team in the country. And uh, I'm a little nervous, partner, because they've got, Cam- <laughs> they got Campbell in their region. Uh, Which Campbell they screwed a- They screwed Campbell on that, by the way. Yeah. Campbell is a three seed in the Knoxville region, and they should be a two seed in any other region. This is a very good Campbell team. Yeah. I- and I hate it. I, I You know, we know that the Aggies are going to get things on, on track over there in Greensboro. But – when Campbell came to North Carolina A and T to play on Easter weekend, Whew. they it looked like yeah. General Sherman marching through Atlanta. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they have two guys that are going to be early, very high draft picks. Zach Neto is one of them. Um, blanket on the pitcher's name, but he's expected to be an early early selection as well. Um, their whole order, one through nine, hits. Um, they're dangerous, and I, I, I mean Tennessee has been the most consistent team in the country all season. So it's hard for me to fathom them not winning that regional. But it's not going to be easy. And I guess you know we did say that you know Campbell should be a two seed, and that's I think that's a fair argument to make. Schedule and RPI probably hurt a little bit, um, but they are the top three seed, um, so they did get some respect from the committee. I just would like to see them in any other region. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think you told me the first day of that series over in Greensboro that Campbell was the best team in North Carolina. Forget yep. about the Big South. And I guess when you walk into a when you walk into a a field and you walk into a stadium and you see a major league scouts in there and you know that they're not looking for you. Yeah. Oh man, it the, the, it was wild. We had somebody the the first day was had guys from the Angels. I know the Diamondbacks were there. I forget who else was there, but they were there to see. Well, the, um, the second day was the day there was more there. Yeah, um, because they're looking because, for the pitcher. The pitcher, yeah, they didn't have the usual rotation, so their usual number one didn't pitch until Friday because they started that series on Thursday because of Easter. Um, but the second day, like they got the scouts. <laughs> They took up most of the middle section at uh, War, War Memorial Stadium. It's unbelievable. Another uh, major league first round pick or a, a probable pick uh, is Carson Wisenant. Um, he's plays for East Carolina. East Carolina's hosting its own regional. Yep. They got a tough draw too because they got Virginia as their two seeds. So that's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be really interesting. Yeah. UNC has got is hosting a region, the SEC champions. What a region that is! It's it's yeah. I, I don't know how much of a reward it is. I I'm I'm going at some point this weekend. I haven't decided which if I'm going uh, tomorrow or Sunday, but I'm going to go at some point this weekend because that is just a the the top three teams in that region is just ridiculous. Yeah, and of course, we talked about this. We were hoping last week, and then by the end. Of the week, it's or by the end of the weekend, it seemed that Wake Forest actually had a chance to. We went from hoping Wake makes the field to maybe Wake Forest hosts its own regional. Yep. But as it is, they're the number two seed um, in the College Park regional. They got they, they can win that. They got a great draw because Maryland. I mean, they've been a good team all season. That's why they get to host a, a regional. But 
the Big Ten is not very good. No. So I don't know how challenged Maryland has been this season. And Wake Forest is kind of like Campbell in the sense that the whole order hits. And if they get hot, I mean, they got a number of guys that can take you yard. And they were top five in the country. Uh, I don't know if they finished top five in the country, but towards the end of the season, at least, uh, when I did their game at App State, um, which was the last week of the season, regular season, they were top five in the country in home runs hit as a team. So uh, they have a ton of power. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Gosh, man, if, if if Wake Forest makes a super regional, do you, you, got, you will not believe how quickly Wake Forest becomes a baseball town. Oh, yeah, there's be people all over. All, I mean – Think if you know. Think if I mean, if Carolina takes care of business, they're the one. It's a tough region, but they take care of business. If East Carolina takes care of business as a one, and then if Wake pulls an upset, and maybe somebody else pulls an upset, like I mean, you could be able to get three or four teams making it to the super regionals potentially. It's that is unbelievable. All right, we're, we need to take a break. When we come back, Ryan and I are going to take it down a couple of notches. We're going to talk about some devastating times in our lives. It's time to get deep on the franchise players. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise. players, Ryan Stone, JP Mundy. Ryan, my my Hurricanes lost game seven. Who boy did they? Boy, they messed around and found out, didn't they? They did. The hard way. So, game was over before it really got going. And all of a sudden, they're kind of like, I guess they're kind of like the Phoenix Suns of the NHL. I mean, they, they had the second, I think they had the second best record in all of hockey. Won the division, and now they are playing golf. Yep. And I was unhappy, I, even though I could see this one coming. This one I could see coming at my advanced age. I knew disappointment was nigh. But there have been other times in my sports fandom, in my sports life, that I have not seen it coming, and I have suffered great unhealthy disappointment because of my unhealthy athletic affiliations. <laughs> so that's why I asked Ryan to come up with a list of three disappointments in his life, and I'll let you start. What are, what are your, your three biggest disappointments? Start us off. Um, the first one that came to mind for me was the, uh, the 2000 2000- uh, BCS national championship. Uh, Florida State lost to Oklahoma, and it was one of the ugliest games in championship history. I think the final score was like fourteen to two. Uh, but, oh, I remember this. But that, but for that Florida State team who won it the year before, they had a chance to go back to back. But Chris Winkie was hurt; didn't get to play in the championship game. And for them to only score two points and lose in such an ugly game, and the fact that it was it was so ugly that Florida State was never actually out of the game in terms of the score, so I didn't even get the luxury as a kid to be able to just turn the game off because it was out of hand. <laughs> wow, I, I, you know what? I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> so that was the first, that was the first one that came to mind for me. Now, now wait a minute, w- Winky. He was hurt in that game. That's 2000, right? Yeah. They won it in 99. Yep. They lost. I can't remember who they lost to in 98. They lost to Tennessee in 98. I know it was, boy. Yep. Anyway, but no, Winky was hurt that game too. So imagine your yep. career as a starting quarterback. You win this. You appear in three national championship contests. You win a Heisman. Yep. <laughs> but you were hurt. You were hurt for two of the three national championship games. Yeah, it's a tough look. I, and I don't – the Tennessee one doesn't bother me as much because I felt like Tennessee was going to win that game going in, I remember. Uh, so that one doesn't bother me as much. 
the Oklahoma one bothers me because it, it's a it's very much a what if thing because the game was so ugly and I have to feel like if Chris Winky plays, they at least score fifteen points. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and I would agree with you, Chris Winky. For those that don't remember, was just stellar. Yes. At Florida State, and he's probably my favorite Florida State quarterback. Charlie Ward. McManus might have been the other. No, we're not going to talk about Charlie Ward. Um, (laughs) So the first on my list was the 1995 Sweet 16. Okay. Wake Forest loses to Oklahoma State by 14 in the East East Rutherford region. Um, This is where uh, Oklahoma State had Bryant Reeves, big country, who went on to play with the – who was the first draft pick pick of the Vancouver, then Grizzlies. Yep, big country. He's still a – still a mainstay at Oklahoma State sporting events. Yeah, he he is – you know, that that was Eddie Sutton's – Eddie Sutton's first Final Four team, I believe. And that's what bothers me ultimately. Not the fact that – because – we were st- Tim Duncan was still a sophomore that year, but Randolph Childress was on that team. Um, but they lost Tony Rutland after winning the ACC championship. He had uh, I forget what his not only was Randolph Childress battling injuries, but Tony Rutland was out for the year. And they were ranked number three in the country and the ones the the number one seed in the region, and were upset by Oklahoma State. And what bothers me the most is the fact that had they won, had Wake Forest been able to overcome Oklahoma State, they very likely make a Final Four, where they would have been annihilated by UCLA. But we're not talking about that. <laughs> would have been a Final Four for them, though. It probably it very. It, let's just say. It very likely it's shaped up to be a, a a good run for them. It was a great draw for them. So, but that's the first one that comes to mind. It, what was next on your list? Uh, so I'm gonna go with the I'll go with the 2010 NBA Finals as a Celtics fan because, and while I can kind of look back and appreciate it now because of the death and loss of Kobe Bryant and that being his final championship. Can, I can appreciate it in that regard now. You hated Kobe. No, no, I, I, I hated him early in his career. By that point, I actually liked Kobe. Oh, okay. Um, I did. I hated the Lakers, but I respected Kobe Bryant. Okay, um, that, that, that's fair. Um, it, it just, I, <laughs> and that was another game that was so ugly, and they just couldn't hit a shot <laughs> what they needed to, and I, I think the final score was something like eighty-one to seventy-seven or something like that, which was absurd at that point uh, for an NBA Finals game. And, you know, the, the Celtics had beat them uh, in 2008 um, in six games, really a pretty dominant six-game series. It wasn't that close in a few of those games the Celtics won. Uh, and for them to, you know, just come out in that game seven and lay an egg was – it hurt. Yeah, speaking of game sevens, I was grateful after ripping on how bad the game quality of games were last week. Yes, game seven was very good. Game seven was very, very good, although I worried for your again for your health. <laughs> I was pretty calm. Well, I know you were because you were out with your friends. Well, no, I was actually I was on the couch uh, that Sunday night because I was exhausted. I went hiking that day. Okay, I gone right. to I gone to a brewery. Like I'd done a bunch. During the day, so I was like exhausted. So I was, I was literally laying down watching games, <laughs> but <laughs> it ended up as it ended up as a good result for me. All right, I did get a little tense there in the last minute. Yes, you and me both. <laughs> um, my next on my list still hurts, and it shouldn't hurt. And you're you're going to understand what I'm saying. I'm a Steelers fan. Yep. I'm a fifty-year-old. I'm a fifty-year-old Steelers fan. I have seen my team win enough Super Bowls. Yeah. And I, they have, and they have stunk during my lifetime too. Those post Terry Bradshaw years were not pretty. That's very true. Okay. I, I still was a fan when they had Bubby Brister. 
Cliff Stout. Okay, <laughs> Bobby so, Brinder. <laughs> so I've seen Bo that was Gibson. a name. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> so just like my beloved Cincinnati Reds, who had a great month of May and are not the worst team in baseball anymore, um, I have seen both ends of the spectrum, and I'm satisfied with my fan experience. However, the 1996 Super Bowl. Oh yeah, yeah. Against the Dallas Cowboys, who, before meeting my lovely wife, who is from Dallas, Texas, and a big Cowboys fan, was my least favorite team. Um, yeah, that was – some people like to call it the Larry Brown game. I don't call it the Larry Brown game. <laughs> I know what you call it. <laughs> I call it the Neil O'Donnell yeah. game. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> By the second quarter, I was convinced that Neil O'Donnell owed – the mob money because, because there was some, the, there was the, some awful interceptions in that game the two interceptions by brown especially there was not a receiver within five yards of brown they were thrown right to him and the guy ends up winning the super he becomes the first cornerback to ever win the super bowl mvp and then he parlays that thought- in, into a multi-million dollar contract um, that wasn't Darren Ra- Woodson with the with the Raiders. That wasn't Darren Woodson. No, it was Larry Brown. No, I thought it was Darren Woodson that won that MVP. No. Okay. He yeah he he made such an impression in the Super Bowl. The Raiders paid him. I believe it was the Raiders the most insane amount of money, and then he was never heard from again. Yeah, that's, that's how not, that, That's beyond <laughs> the point. Beyond the point. Besides, I mean, if Neil O'Donnell doesn't suck it up. I mean, the final was only 27-17, and they still had a chance to win before he threw his last interception to Brown. So talk about snatching, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory. Yes. that's That, that was devastating to me, and I will admit, as an immature 25-year-old who was – I was a pretty useless dude – you think I'm useless now? I was useless. <laughs> during, during my 20s, I was useless. I was terrible. I mean, I, I cried over a football game. I don't cry over football games. Now, granted, I was lit up like a firecracker. <laughs> but there were tears. And that's what I mean, folks, by unhealthy emotional dependencies. I'm much more mature now. <laughs> as far as you know. What's next on your list? Um... Kind of going back and forth here on two two VCU games. Um, I don't know if I want to say the 2011 Final Four loss because I genuinely still to this day feel like they were a better team than Butler. Mm-hmm. Jamie Skeen just couldn't take a breath without Matt Howard falling over and flopping and getting the call every time. Former um, Demon Deacon, Jamie Skeen. Or... Uh, the 2012 loss where they collapsed in the second round of the NCAA tournament against Indiana. And I proceeded to, you, you mentioned being lit up in, uh, in your last one, last moment of pain. That loss in 2012, buddy, when, when that game went final, I was actually in Greensboro going to the NCAA tournament games here that year. Oh no. And it was, but that was on the Saturday it was in between. They were Friday and Sunday games. So we were just hanging out in Greensboro Saturday night. And the moment the buzzer sounded and Indiana won that game, I believe I ordered four Irish car bombs for myself and proceeded to down them all in a a night that is not that not much of is remembered for myself <laughs> proceeded. Well, and you know what? And sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. An Irish car bomb, oh my gosh. I had to numb I had to numb the pain. I understand that. Rounding out my top three, the more I read it, the angrier I get. I'm never gonna be able to let this go, and that concerns me given my current state of maturity. Nineteen ninety seven Heisman race. Peyton Manning senior year. But somehow he manages to lose it. To Charles Woodson, after an all-out media blitz 
by ABC ESPN. And See, actually, I actually think Charles Woodson deserved it, but I, you're a Tennessee fan. I'm a Tennessee fan, but what the problem is is that the, the the one thing that never made sense is the fact that Peyton Manning entered the year as the overwhelming Heisman favorite. He lost one game that year, but he still had great stats that game. And he was statistically the best player in the country. But what he wasn't was a defensive back who was entertaining returning kickoffs. And I, he was I also kicking passes too, to be fair. It, it, yes. He, only, he, he picked off seven passes too. Seven. So congratulations on your seven passes or pass interceptions. But under, I, I looked again. I was so tore up about it just revisiting it this afternoon that I looked at the voting and like he got 430 something first base, you know, first place votes. While Peyton Manning got like 250 first place, 250 second place, and 250 third place. How do you get third place votes? How does Peyton Manning? I don't even know her, the thir- who the third place candidate was. Was uh, Ron Dane was the finalist that year too, right? I, possibly. Let me, I, you know what? We're gonna bring it up because we're gonna let we're gonna let the hurt we're gonna let the hurt come in here. Number one, Woodson. Number two, Manning. Three, Ryan Lee. Four, Randy Moss. Five, Curtis Enos. That's right. Randy Moss. I forgot Randy Moss was in that mix, too. Yeah. That's, that might be the best. Uh, that's definitely one of the best Heisman groups ever when you factor in Woodson, Manning, and, uh, and Moss. Gosh, Amos Zaraway was on that. Anyway, also, Peyton Manning and and Tim Dwight out of Iowa were the only seniors among those finalists. It just, I just I just don't understand I just I just I just don't understand the thinking there. I never will, but I will say that there was never I've never seen this is why Tennessee gets their loco and it's well deserved their uh their reputation as a loco fan base. They basically introduced um, muting, muting the TV to listen to the radio. The Vol Network is like the largest radio network in the world now just because of its popularity. Because you, it's 2021 and folks still won't watch Tennessee on ESPN. Not with the Tennessee announce, not with the announcers on the SEC network or whoever may be calling it. Yeah, and that, 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 is, that speaks volumes. That's the CP. That is Central Piedmont Conference level pe- pettiness. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do have to like you know you're kind of leaving out that Charles Woodson went on to win the national championship. And yeah, but, yeah, but that's got it's got a, it's got an asterisk by it because it's a Big Ten school. It's not varsity football. But Peyton Manning. Not, you know what happened to Peyton Manning in the bowl again the bowl game against Nebraska? Yeah, I remember he got his turf toe and he couldn't play. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. And they got steamrolled. <laughs> I have a feeling they were going to get rolled anyway. I think so. <laughs> so I'm not completely. I, I just thought he deserved the Heisman. I didn't think he deserved a win in the bowl game, but. At least they won the SEC championship this, that year, and they sacrificed a Heisman for the trophy case so that T. Martin could bring it home next the following year. So yeah, that's college football in a nutshell, by the way. It certainly Peyton, is. Peyton, it Manning, most, Peyton Manning doesn't win the championship, but T. Martin does. <laughs> that 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 is that is you're exactly right. With on that note, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back for the final segment, I'm I'm sure my partner has some stone cold locks. At least he better. Um, I'm anxious to see what your record is, and then we're going to give out some Gatorade and possibly some Haterade. You're listening to the Franchise Players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise.
to franchise players. Uh, Ryan, what's your? Uh, have you salvaged your NBA season yet? Yeah, eighty-one and uh, eighty-one and sixty-two in the uh, in the NBA playoffs. So pretty solid right now. Uh, can't complain too much about it. And you know that game seven had a pretty solid night that night with the uh, best bets. So yeah, you know things are things are better now. Let me ask you this, and I know what your answer is going to be, but as a, the novice that I am, I, I just still need to, to know this. Is do, Have you had an experience in this year's playoffs that will put you off of a team come next season? Like, has somebody consistently let you down enough to where you just don't trust that coach, that style of play, that nucleus of players to, to win you over as a better? Um, I if it's anybody, it's the Suns. Really, I thought yeah. you were going to say the Bucks. Really, I, I thought that's no, but the Bucks like did pretty good for me. I mean, they they covered at least most of their games when I bet them. So the Bucks still did pretty good for me. Uh, also, I mean, they didn't have Chris Middleton. That definitely made an impact. Yeah, they lose in a seven game series. It was you know pretty tightly contested until Game Seven. Um, so, I mean, I think the Bucks are still going to be right there at the top of the Eastern Conference next year. The Suns, on the other hand, I don't – you know, Chris Paul looked old at the end of that series. Um, Devin Booker didn't really step up the way I think people wanted him to. That's got to sound yeah. alarms because and, Chris Paul was the best player on the floor. And when DeAndre Ayton didn't show up in Game 7. So, I – you know – there's, there's a lot of questions, I think, about the Suns going into next season. Okay. All right. So it was a valid a valid question by me. I, I just, you know, I didn't know whether you took it, but just on face value for the upcoming game and trends and whatnot. But, you know, sometimes I guess it's when I'm playing the, you know, the the fantasy football that I'll, I do. There's some people that I that I'll just stay away from based on <laughs> principle. Yeah. It's easier to do that in fantasy football because – you know, there's so many other players you can pick. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy football, rest in peace, Marion Barber the third, and I say fantasy football because everybody who's ever played fantasy football within the last twenty years has had Marion Barber on their team as a backup running back. So. <laughs> yeah, sad sad news to to see that. It, it is sad news. He was uh, Marion the Barbarian, he was fun to watch. Um what do you have as far as any locks for this weekend? So we don't really have uh, – you don't really know what the line is going to be for game two just yet. So still kind of trying to figure that out. I did take – before the finals, I took the series to go over five and a half games. Okay. Um, and I took uh, – I actually took the Warriors to win it in six. I'm not super confident in that, um, but – you know, Boston's had a long, you know, back-to-back seven-game series. They're on the road. They've also been the most resilient team in the playoffs to, you know, to kind of go against that. But Golden State's been here before, so I, I give them a slight edge in terms of, uh, of winning the series. Um, also, if we're talking, you know, college baseball like we did earlier, uh, I did take uh, Wake Forest to win their regional. Um Let's see. Who else did I take? I believe I took Oklahoma State to win theirs as well. Yeah, you went out on a limb there, didn't you? Oh, they're they're hot. Um, <laughs> and I think I'm trying to. There, there was one other one I felt like I took, but I'm kind of blanking on it at the moment. And you guys, you guys hear that? He didn't take Tennessee. He knows. Well, he Tennessee knows. also is. I mean, they're they're a pretty heavy favorite. Okay. All so right. the value that wasn't necessarily there with Tennessee. I think they were something like minus one fifty five or something to win the regional. So I guess we'll move on to our Gatorade showers. Oh, I, I think I did. I think I actually did take UNC. Take, oh, you I did take Carolina. Carolina. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm so all right. So you got Wake and Carolina coming out of the regionals, and I I, I buy that Carolina pick one hundred percent. They look good yeah, right now. They're hot, so there's always a team that gets hot and makes a run. So I think that team might be Carolina. I tell you, we uh, we'll be very 
we'll be very generous with Gatorade showers next week if we can get a bunch of North Carolina teams into the Super Regionals. That would be awesome. Hey, and UNCG, we didn't talk about them earlier. And I, and that is my mistake. I'm glad you said something there. But they are hot, and they're in a regional with Georgia Southern as the top seed. I was going to ask you about that Statesboro Regional. That I, think Statesboro, that was, I think that was pretty open. If they if they can get hot, but I think they have to win their first game. Yeah, I think, they, I, I think they have to win that first game. Because if they don't, then you then they have to play either Texas Tech or Notre Dame, who are both good teams. Yeah, uh, like one through four, that's probably the best regional, just in terms of the teams overall. It is cool to see regionals in Statesboro and Greenville. That's pretty cool. Yes, yes, it is. Speaking of some Gatorade showers, before I, I, I uh, I've got one to get off my chest here. I got like, some Gatorade to give out. Wake Forest hired Megan Jebia the second we got done recording last week's show, <laughs> which was yeah. partly devoted to them not having a basketball coach yet. So welcome, welcome, coach. Welcome to Winston Salem. Welcome to the Triad. She's a all-time wins leader at American. Uh, she's been she's gotten that team hot recently, and now we I guess is can she build a staff that will uh, be able to recruit competitively in the ACC? I think she can, um, given the resources that she's apparently being given and the facilities that they already have at Wake Forest. So I'm looking forward to a continuation of the good things and the good vibes uh, created by Coach Jen Hoover and now Coach Jebia. So, uh, again, welcome to the triad. Partner, do you have any Gatorade to give out? Uh, we kind of given it already, but I, I'll do it again. I think, sure. you know, all the, all the North Carolina teams making it uh, into, the, uh, into the college baseball tournament. I think that's uh, really cool for the state. I think the, the way that uh, – a lot of them are playing. I think it's probably likely that we're going to see multiple teams from the state end up in the uh, in the super regionals as well. Okay, all right, that's a good Gatorade shower. Do you have any Haterade to give out? Oh, Haterade. Um, well, we kind of already did the uh, <laughs> arena league refs. Uh, <laughs> um, Haterade. I don't think I don't think there really hasn't been a lot going on this week in terms of sports because you know the finals didn't start until last night. Um, I don't I don't think I really have anything to hate or anything. All right. Well, if Ryan can't find anything to hate on, I certainly can. <laughs> first of first of all, I'm gonna um. Do you know what All Elite Wrestling is? you know what AEW is? Yeah, AEW, yeah. Okay. All right. So I thought I was going to have a nice, relaxing weekend. So, of course, I uh, Memorial Day weekend. And I, 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 of course, allowed my 11-year-old to have a friend over. And he's like, hey, can we watch the AEW pay-per-view? And I was like, fine. No, actually, I asked permission from my wife. And then I said, okay, fine. And then um, I paid my 50 bucks for the, uh, for the pay-per-view. Dude, this show started at 8, and they held the main event until Game 7 ended. Like, I like wrestling. Wait, really? Yeah. But why, why would they do that? Like, your audience is already watching. Uh, right, but see, a lot of times now, because the, the, the viewing habits of Americans, Every, we're also ADD, like, you know, we're, like, I, it's very rarely that I'm not watching, a like, like if I'm watching a, an NBA game, I'll have Twitter open, or if the Reds are playing at the same time, I'll be watching that too, and they have found that the behavior does not change even if you've paid for a special event, because you've got that event, you can basically pause it or go back in the recording and watch it, it's not that big a deal. But they really, it, they had a good main event booked, and that's I understand that. And uh, but they were very adamant in the fact that if it gave, if that series went to set game seven, you know we we would wait. So we got some really bad wrestling 
at times. I'm uh, sure. <laughs> and because they had to draw it out and stretch it in a good main event, but man, I didn't go to bed till quarter of one. Wow. But <laughs> that is not that's an easy, that's a fixable mistake. I'm not the only one with that feedback, and that's some hate that can be fixed. Yeah, I, I, still, I still feel like if people have already paid for a pay-per-view, they're not going to turn it off. Now, they might pull up another screen or something to watch the finals that are going on, but I don't think they're going to turn it off. And I think that's what – I don't, and I'm not sure how they track it these days, but I don't – you know, like the, the, there's still the Nelson te- – television ratings and the cable ratings and all that kind of thing. I'm not sure how they do the streaming and eyes on screens ratings. So there is some math there that made Tony Khan, the principal investor at AEW um, and Warner media decide to hold off. So that's my hate for them, but I've got some hate that just pales in comparison to any other hate that I could even draw up. Dustin Johnson. <laughs> Dustin Johnson, who, if I recall correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he have um, an affinity for some nose candy back in the day? That was the rumor. And he had some um, infidelity or some womanizing. Let's put it that way. Infidelity is a strong word. He had a reputation for being a womanizer yes. on the tour. And he could never – he always seemed to fold in big moments and couldn't get his majors and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So he wins his majors. And Dustin Johnson is now, you know, the proud American golf champion. And nobody mentions the fact that at one point everybody thought he was a loser. Yeah. Well, Dustin Johnson is going to play in this LIV tournament – that's backed by the Saudi, the, the Saudi government. Yeah, I missed this. Evidently, I saw where you put this in the script. And I guess I missed this announcement. So he is not the only one. I mean, you can get, you can Google the LIV tournament, the non-sanctioned event, to which pay, the PGA released a statement saying anybody that's a member of our tour that plays in this event is going to face severe disciplinary action. I, they must be paying well then. They, they are play, paying well, but like Sergio Garcia is in this. I think Louis Oosthuizen is in this. But the okay. most prominent name, the most prominent American name, is Dustin Dingleberry yeah. Johnson. Well, yeah, I, and it's it's more of a thing for the PGA because it's an American versus like Saudi thing, whereas Sergio Garcia and Louis Oosthuizen are not Americans, so it's a little different for them. They're not, but they're still human beings. Yes, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, it, it is it is not new information that, you know, it is, let's just, how do I put this in general terms? It is not a newsflash to find out that certain governments act in a way that certain governments act. It's not I mean, a newsflash. That's true. And that's I, true. as much as I could use some extra cheese on my Whopper, and as much as you could use an extended tab at the Carolina Ale House or wherever <laughs> at World of Beer, okay? Yeah. You and I aren't flying over to Saudi Arabia for something backed by the Saudi government to make some money. No, probably not. Number one, because we'd be immediately detained. If they do a background check, <laughs> we're immediately detained. I might be executed. <laughs> It would not go well for us, that's for sure. It's not going to be. We'd we'd be braiding hair. It's not be good. It would not be good at all. We've also ended any chance of it going well here. That's true. We'd be, <laughs> the, we'd be the guys on camera holding up a note. You know, they're treating us well. Please don't send help. Yeah, this is not not going well. But Dustin Johnson's like, yeah, I'll go play. One this other is, note has has he not made enough money? Wait, go ahead. One other serious note before we get off, because I know we got to sign off in a minute, in a second. Yeah. Bring Brittany, Brittany Griner home. Enough is enough. We haven't mentioned this, and we should have, and I thank you, Ryan, for bringing it up. Brittany Griner, in, in case uh, you don't follow women's basketball, has been illegally detained in Russia. 
Yeah, for like 90 days or 100 days, over 100 days. Over I think 100 actually. days now. Yeah. She illegally had some... It was, a, like a, it was a vape cartridge. She allegedly had an illegal substance um, that you can get high off of. It's still like she wouldn't have served that much time in America if she got caught with it. In the, if she was an NFL player, she would be working out with her teammates. Exactly. Which is what she, she should be playing in the WNBA right now. She should be playing right now. Uh, she's got a spouse that wants her home. She's got teammates that want her home. And she should have all Americans who want her home. This is not, you know, this is not a political statement. This is just a human statement. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think pretty much, I think pretty much all Americans are aligned on this one. This is one thing that I think can bring almost everybody together is bring Brittany Griner home. You know, think about your kid being arrested for a hundred days with limited contact with the outside world for smuggling in a vape pen in a Russian prison. In a Russian prison. I'm sure that's going well as an African-American, a black woman. Yes. I'm sure that's going really well for her. So think about that for a minute and say thanks for the blessings that we all have. And please pray for Ryan as he goes through um, his official's um, sensitivity training (laughs) for the National Arena League. But anyway, we're way out of time. We will see you next week. Remember, we got softball coming up. Uh, keep tuned to uh, Tobacco Sport, Tobacco Road Sports Radio for all of our programming. It changes from day to day. That's a fact, Jack. We'll see you next week on the Franchise Players.